Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, it is fall gardening season. If you're not gardening through fall, winter, this is applicable for spring. And honey, spring planning is going to start in the winter. So I want you to listen and just maybe bookmark this episode. We will probably also review it in the spring. But I also have a resource for you that's entirely free. It's about seed starting. And we're going to talk about seed starting today because in the fall, is the hardest time to get your seeds going. If you're in a Southern zone like I am, you still have plenty of time. Some of us, it's the the ship has left (laughs) the port and it's a little late. But I want you to understand the basic principles of getting your seeds to germinate and then keeping them healthy because I feel like that's the up level. When you start gardening, the easiest way to do it is by buying seedlings or transplants at the nursery. And then the next step is going to be diving into seed starting. Once you understand seed starting and seed saving, you're really, really like moving down the path of self-reliance, confidence in the garden, and you've really sort of unlocked that next level. And I want you all to experience it. Additionally, from a soul perspective, there is nothing quite as awe-inspiring as seeing your seeds germinate and then mature and then develop this gorgeous vegetable or fruit or flower unfolding. Like it's really, it's like childbirth. It makes me emotional. It's so incredible. It'll change your life. And I'm actually not being hyperbolic about it. So I want to talk to you guys about seed starting, why it's working, why it's not. So the starting point for everybody everywhere, always in the garden is going to be around your climate and your hardiness zone. Where are you? What's the weather doing? Frost dates are wildly important when it comes to seeds because you are now doing the guesswork of when do I plant the seed so that it's mature enough to either withstand the climate it's being born into in my beds outside or maturing it to the point that you can transplant it in the appropriate amount of time. So a little bit of math, that is not my strong suit, but even I can calculate this. You need to know your hardiness zone. So find that. I'm going to put something in the show notes for you guys. If you're new and you're like, I'm not quite sure of my hardiness zone. If you're an in-betweener hardiness zone, you're like, I'm in the boonies. I don't know if I'm zone nine or 10. We're going to think about, do you get a frost? Are you at a higher altitude? Those things are going to make your climate cooler. And therefore I'd take it like North a notch. Someone just asked me this question. And I was like, if you think you're zone 10, but you do have a frost or a freeze at your house, follow zone nine. So that's just a little pro tip. Okay. Getting started on seed starting. And I want to tell you guys right now, just rest assured as well in the show notes, I have a free resource, entirely free, a seed starting guide that you can download step-by-step. I'm using it as my framework for this conversation. I really want you guys to like be supported in this. And if you download the seed starting guide and you have additional questions, email me no joke, or DM me on Instagram. Okay. 
So we're figuring out our climate and we're going to do some calculating based on dates. So this is like a general rule. So let's say we're talking about spring. If you know your last frost date is going to be, let's say in March, you can either start your seeds the week after that frost is expected to no longer happen, or you can start them inside under grow lights. And I'd say you give yourself two months for those seeds to become really strong seedlings. So you do like an eight weeks from that frost date. Um, It's all going to depend. You'll want to look at the germination rate and days to harvest. And like it's a third of those days to harvest. I really like to go by when I'm starting my seeds indoors or before they're transplanted out into my beds. Of course, you can shorten that time frame if you want to. It depends on how harsh your weather is. So if you're like really wanting strong plants before you put them in the ground, give yourself more time. Okay. So the next step is going to be seed starting soil. If you're starting your seeds in trays inside, I like to start my seeds in trays outside because I have a mild climate. But why do I like the trays? They're easier to control. Okay. I can keep the soil more moist, more healthy. I can cover them, keep them away from the critters and the children. I can just reduce the amount of variables that they're going to encounter in my beds and control them more in trays. So I still start in trays, even though they're not inside, which I feel like is another unique thing that I do. I haven't seen many other gardeners do. And a lot of that is because I have a more mild climate. So if you're starting in trays inside or outside, you need to get a really good seed starting soil mix. Of course, you can buy this. You can Amazon it. You can go to a nursery. You can go to Home Depot, whatever you want. However, I caution you, um, look at the label. We don't want to be using any peat moss. It's a non-renewable resource, and it's also something that sequesters carbon. Peat bogs sequester carbon. So when we remove the peat, carbon emissions are being removed into the atmosphere, which is what we do not want. So we're just avoiding peat. And we're going to make our own seed starting soil mix using coconut core, which is more sustainable. However, it's not entirely neutral. I know you guys, I know, I know. Let's just choose our hard. We're going to do our part. It's fine. So we're going to get some yummy topsoil that's organic. We're going to get some coconut core. And then we're also going to get some perlite, some compost, some sort of calcium like bone meal feather meal or oyster shell, and then some blood meal. And if you're vegan, um, you just want something that's high in nitrogen. And so I'm actually really, really loving um, wool pellets. It's not harming any animals, but it is an animal byproduct that secretes nitrogen in. Or you can use perhaps comfrey, which is a plant. um, And comfrey is really good at releasing nitrogen. So Um, in this download I've linked, I give you guys sort of all parts, like how I portion it three parts, coconut gore, one part garden soil, two parts perlite, et cetera. It's not that important. It's actually a feeling thing. And I do want you to get to know the feeling of creating loamy soil. That's somewhat porous seed starting soil needs to be fluffier and lighter so that those baby roots and seeds can sprout in the right direction. They can really absorb the moisture and stay moist so that the seed casing can break down. This is the key to your seed starter soil mix. 
So don't overthink it, get the ingredients, play with it. However, I have outlined it for you. If you are a rule follower and you like to follow recipes, I see you, I get it. Okay. So we're going to get our soil together. We're going to get our seeds. We need to choose what seeds we want to start. And that's a conversation for another day. I have so many resources on that as well, but like make your list of the seeds you want, go crazy and um, evaluate what your needs are for the season. But that's ever changing. This approach can stay the same. You know what I mean? So um, once we have our soil and our seeds, we're going to decide on the trays that we want. I love a self-watering tray. They sell them. Burpee makes some. Gardeners makes some. Um, There are some like Oya products that are similar. Uh, But look for either Google or reach out to me or look on Amazon self-watering seed starting tray. What that means is you're going to water below your tray into like a reservoir that has some sort of a medium in it, like a core pad or um, some sort of like a fluffy pad that's going to help stay moist and then allow your soil to uptake the water and allow the roots forming to uptake the water and stay moist. So you're just watering less. Keeping your seeds like the soil that is going to help your seeds germinate, keeping that moist, I know we hate that word, um, is number one so most crucial. And why is it so hard in the fall? Because we still have lingering hot summer temps when we're starting our fall seeds. This has been a huge challenge for me. It remains a challenge for me as a gardener. It will always be something that's hard for me because of my climate. And so I just have to be prepared to endure it. But that is something we want to think about. So I've got a mini greenhouse or these self-watering trays that have a plastic lid on them are really helpful. These are all great approaches. We just really want to keep everything moist. I've also seen people use burlap if you're starting your seeds outside, like your carrots, for example. Carrots don't like to be disturbed. We want to direct sow them. We're putting them directly into our beds or in the ground. Then how do we keep the soil moist? We can cover with a piece of burlap or cloth and make sure that's getting wet. But the moment any of your seeds germinate, you have to bring the cloth up. So it's it's a it's a balance, but it's all a part of the fun and the journey of gardening, right? We love to fill our lives up with these things that nourish us and nurture our souls and give us something important to worry about because we're going to be worrying anyways, right? So let's worry about our vegetables and not other things. Okay, moving on. To direct sow or not direct sow is always personal choice. I'm all about knowing the rules so we can break them. You know that about me. I do prefer to direct sow as many things as possible, but here's the rule of thumb. Any root vegetables don't like to be disturbed because that main part of the veg is underground. So carrots, turnips, beets, they don't like to be messed with. And for good reason. So we're going to set, we're going to start those in the soil. Beans and peas, kind of similar. They don't like to be disturbed. However, you can fudge all of that. I always, um, I don't always, but I have frequently bought fava bean starts. For some reason, those were just getting messed with in my garden. So I bought seedlings this year and they're doing great and they're fine. I know plenty of people that have transplanted carrots and they're fine as well. So um, you're going to mess with it and play with it. Don't take it too seriously, but follow that general rule of thumb as a starting point. Um, If you are going to be starting your seeds in ground, I do recommend you prep that soil as well and make it a little more fluffy, a little more light, get some good compost in there. 
um, vermiculite as a layer on top of the soil in ground, in raised beds, and even in your trays is another great way to keep water like available for the soil. So that's another pro tip. I don't want to glaze over that, but vermiculite, vermiculite is a great resource for this. It's similar to using mulch to um, cover and keep water in, except it's more porous and it's like granular. So it's not blanketing the soil. If you do have mulch on your beds, you're going to want to move it aside so that your seeds can germinate. And then once they start popping up through the soil, you can kind of put your mulch back in place. But I want you to be where mulch can often be too heavy and too dense for your seeds to start below it. Okay, let's keep moving. So the last thing I want to talk about is actually planting the seed and how many seeds do we want to plant? Which plants do we want to plant multiple of? Um, that's going to be at your discretion. But the smaller the seed, the more I typically put in there. I do like to multi-sow. So things like radish and carrots, I will sow in a row or in a clump, and then I'll come in and thin it. Thinning your little microgreens there are many ways to do it. I recommend snipping them with scissors so you don't disrupt any of the roots that they're like intermixing with below the soil. Some people will pull them out. It's very satisfying to pull up the seed sprouts, but it can be disruptive. So I recommend snipping them or pinching the tops off. Um, it's heartbreaking, but I promise like you really don't want your plants competing for soil and nutrition. This is a must-do step if you're multi-selling. For larger seeds, um, like a squash, for example, I like to do maybe two seeds per hole, but not like at the same time, one on top of the other. I want to put them like within an inch of each other. So we're just sort of doubling down and then may the strong survive. So whichever one sprouts up either first, or if they're kind of coming in at the same time, I'll give them a couple days and I'll see which cotyledons, those first two leaves, which of those looks healthier. And if I wait even longer and see the true leaves come out, I'm looking for more stout starts. And that goes for the nursery when you're buying seedlings too. We don't want long and leggy, no supermodels. We want stocky, strong, um, stout plants that are looking more like vigorous and thick. We want that thick, thick for the starts. So that's what I like to do in terms of multi-selling. And it really just ensures that my efforts that one time are producing and that I'm not just doing like one seed per cell, none of those germinate or it's poor germination. I have to start a whole nother round. This just eliminates all of that. So that is what I recommend for seed starting. If you guys have questions, absolutely let me know. Otherwise that should get you started. Okay. Actually wait, one more thing, protecting your seeds. Okay. So, cause I'm thinking like, okay, what's the next problem you're going to encounter? Once your seeds are all up, it's less important that your soil stays moist, but we do want to protect baby seedlings in the fall. I'm having this issue as well. So cover them, cover them with shade cloth or um, really light netting that is, doesn't have too big of holes, right? Because birds and critters can still get in. Um, but I do recommend cloches or net coverings, get some hoops, like some of those like half circle shaped wire hoops. You can buy them online, Amazon, anywhere and really get those baby seedlings covered until they've developed a few sets of those true leaves. 
um, and they can kind of withstand the elements a little more, or it just gives you more time to detect something, right? So once the plant's bigger and you start seeing a few holes and there's maybe some loopers involved, it's giving you time to pull those off and allow the plants to be resilient and overcome that as opposed opposed to a tiny seedling where it's like a couple chomps and they're not going to make it, you know? So protect your baby seedlings is the final, final step. I mean, God bless our seedlings in fall. It's always stressful, but these tips will help you in the spring too. Hope it's helpful. Go to the show notes, or you can just download my seed starting guide. Go to https colon slash slash stan dot store forward slash Bailey Van Tassel, and you will find my free download. That's stan, like a man's name, S-T-A-N dot store, S-T-O-R-E forward slash Bailey Van Tassel. Get the goods. Hope this was helpful. I love you guys, and we will chat soon. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.